All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check when the puck comes right to Pedersen who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments no. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in at Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go.
Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. Use promo code CONVODD, capital C, capital D's, all one word, CONVODD. That will give you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. Does not get much better than I gotta that, stop. Folks. I've been DoorDashing too much. Actually, you can see in the bottom right of the camera there, my beautiful fiance there, she wants me off DoorDash, but uh, I will not stop. Okay. Uh, my name is Dave Quadrelli. Yep. Joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Our technical producer is Alex Alard. Alex is getting stretched thin, too. Poor guy. Alex has a lot going on. He's, he he's still on a Ottawa Senators show right now. Oh he's uh, producing goodness. two shows at once. He's the fastest freaking kid alive, folks. I'm doing my best. Well, uh, I'm worried. Account I got impression. a bunch of graphics, Alex, so just so you know. He can't hear you. Okay. We've been over this. You, you keep trying to talk to him, and he can't hear you right now. It's very funny. That's not good. I got the graphics coming. I got Anyways, graphics. I've got uh, my best impression of Bob McCown uh, going on with the sunglasses in the studio. It's bright in here. Like, it's very cold outside. Also, should mention, high above Rogers Arena on a little nipply day, I'd say. It's very cold outside. Okay. Uh, very cold day today. But it's a nice day. It's very sunny. I had the sunglasses out, and I uh, wore them into the studio today. What do you think of that decision? Um, yeah. I don't okay. know. I'll skip right you, over you, that. No, you've been good with the... When you do put the sunglasses on, you've brought good stuff uh, in the past. And I intend to do that today. And starting with pictures and everything. Starting with the great folks at Zephyr Epic, oh. who sponsor all of our guest posts. Give Harman Dial. Harman Dial going to join us on the show today. Uh, all of our guests brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, whatever it is, check them out, Zephyr Epic, they've got you set for the Pokemon cards, whatever it is that you need, Zephyr Epic has got you covered, Sam Wilson jumped in the chat and said someone's hung because I'm wearing uh, <laughs> I'm wearing a toque in shades, that's not it, it was Monday yesterday, Sam, oh, uh, no, that's that's not it, I'm, uh, I'll take them off at some point, probably when Harmon joins us, but... Uh, the best part about Zephyr Epic is that mm-hmm. they ship free on any order, Canada-wide, on any order over $50. From? From Cumberland. You know where Cumberland is? No. I've Van- heard of it. Vancouver Island. I thought so. It's in so. the uh, Comox Valley. Okay. I, Cumberland. I've been, I've been up the valley. Mm-hmm. Been to Comox. You go there, you get uh, goats on the roof uh, nearby there uh, in Coombs, which uh, actually would have been another one to use. Uh, from Cumberland to Cap Shaw, Quebec. Capsha population two thousand six hundred and twenty three. This is what they say up in, in Capsha. I don't know if uh, Alex can hear this or got the graphic. So I got the graphic ready. They they say that this this place could be named after this rock that looks like a cat. Apparently, I mean it kind of looks like a cat. Yeah, podcast listeners love it. No, I know, but it, what I'm saying is it's named after a rock that sort. It's a pretty big rock. Like I'll give them that. It is a very big rock. I don't like. I guess it's a cat standing up and looking back a little bit. Are you? Are you see? Like, do you know what I'm talking about here with this cap cap uh, thing? Well, the listeners think I'm high as a kite, so I'm not going to even comment. Well, that's what, yeah. The people in the comments <laughs> say, yeah, take those off. Yeah, Giacco jumped in the chat and said, "High as a kite above Rogers Arena." Yeah, he's got uh, Doritos dust in his eyes. That would have been a funny intro. Here's if the I two theories about the origin of the town's name. Oh boy, there's cap more. Of this. One, the simple one, just believes that the town. Um, it also looks like a cat on a map, like a cat laying down on the map when you look at the, the town and the the borders of the town. So they got this rock that looks like a cat. The town looks like a cat. I didn't think the cat, I didn't think the town looked that much like a cat. Here's the other one. This is a, this other theory is a bit more fanciful. 
According to a local legend, a cat walking along the shore killed and ate various animals, animals, whereupon the cat fairy accused him of eating her offspring. And for the punishment of the cat that was eating animals off the beach, it was turned into stone forever. And that's where that big rock comes from. So is that more likely than the, the town looking like a cat? I don't know. I believe it. I'm not from there. Okay. Uh, but the so, other the other thing. No, I got more. Boy, okay. Here we go. Uh, the other thing is they're big on uh, wind turbines there in uh, Capsha. Wind, uh, Capsha wind turbines. They got 76 of these horizontal axis wind turbines, which um, also known as HOT, H-A-W-T, horizontal axis wind turbines. They got 76 of them there. And they also have one vertical axis wind turbine known as a VAWT, V-A-W-T, not as cool as HOT. And it's known as Projet Aole. Aole. Yeah, I, I mixed Spanish and French there. Projet Aole which is the largest vertical axis wind turbine in the world, standing at 110 meters tall. I'm going to have to shut off your mic. 360 feet, and, uh, but they haven't used it in the last 10 years. Okay, that's, of, your last, that's your last fact for today. What do you mean? There's, I don't want to hear. Nobody wants to hear anymore. There it is right there on the, on the, okay. on the, on the okay. counter. Oh, Can nothing we get to, to show here. That's what the, the picture says. Let's get to the hockey talk here. Thanks. Let's get to the hockey talk. Uh, well, Jim good, Rutherford. You know, I, sorry, I like to shout out to Zephyr. Have good folks over there. If you want to cut it off early, that's cool. Early, he went on for six minutes. Uh, Jim Rutherford's comments. Canucks president Jim Rutherford made uh, uh, appearance. Excuse me on Sportsnet 650 last night oh, yeah, with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shaw. Had a lot to say. Had a lot to say, and they weren't great things about Bruce Boudreaux and the state of the Vancouver Canucks right now. And nope. look, some of those comments are fair, but. Some of the comments also came across as being, okay, does Bruce really deserve this? And there's something at Canucks Army right now by Stefan Roger about how Bruce doesn't deserve this. Yeah, you know, I left my book in the other room with all my quotes on it. That's You can go get it. I have some stuff. Okay, to say. you start. I'll be, I'll be right back. I'm turning my camera back to the, uh, the wind turbine here. Nothing so that sh- nobody sees your shorts? Yeah, well, I don't want anyone to see these shorts. No. They're great shorts. Uh, no one's going to see these shorts. Well, as you as My you fiance away, told me I'm not allowed to wear these shorts. <laughs> as you walk away... Um, Chris Faber's got uh, got these Pikachu shorts that he wears. They're big, baggy shorts. They're fantastic. I don't know why he doesn't like them, why he won't put them on camera. I wear sweatpants to the studio. What's, I don't know what his excuse is. But uh, I did want to talk about these Jim Rutherford comments as Chris and goes and gets his notes with the actual quotes on them. But what Rutherford had to say that I think I had the most problem with as Chris Faber reenters the studio is when he talked about the structure with the defense core, right? Where he was like, it shouldn't matter who's on defense, if we had structure, they'd be playing a lot better. Yep. Look, no one's complaining about the structure when the Canucks are getting these multi-goal leads in games. Is it not about execution or, you know, changing it up a little bit and making sure that your guys are locking down games at the end there? Like, I, I don't really understand where the criticism's coming from because, look, like, again, no one was complaining about a lack of structure last... Actually, they did mention a lack of structure last year, but then they didn't sure. do anything to address it. I yep. think they... You know, like they doubled down on it is what the, the big problem that I have with it is you now again, I don't want to use that term double down. I hate saying it, but mm-hmm. they invested in JT Miller getting a 99 point season in that loosey goosey structure and whatever they want to call it, the system that they hate so much. They invested in him for seven years off that season. 
So if this was your idea that Bruce was going to come in and change his system, because, look, the Canucks are playing basically the same as they did last year. They're just not getting Vesna-caliber goaltending. And we knew last year that it wasn't good enough. Rutherford came out and said, it's not good enough. Like, they're not good enough, and they get bailed out by their goalie. What's becoming concerning is the idea that Rutherford apparently thinks that the reason they weren't good enough in front of their goalie was because of Bruce and his structure. That's what it's starting to seem like. I th- when those quotes first came out, not the ones yesterday, the ones before about how they don't play with enough, uh, you know, it's not good enough in front of their goalie, they get bailed out a lot. I didn't think that the idea there was Bruce has to fix this because this isn't good enough. I thought it was, we know the defense core isn't good enough and we need to make it better. Like, that. that's what it came across as. And now it's looking like what he really meant was Bruce doesn't have it. Bruce can't figure this out. Yeah. It's shocking. It, it, it's shocking to hear him come out here's the way quote, he did. Here's a quote from Rutherford on the blown leads. He said, it's a major concern and something has to be fixed. But like, so he's basically, like reading from that quote, reading from a lot of what Rutherford said was like, they felt good about this roster going into this season and Boudreaux's structure is the thing that's letting out. Like, was that not the overall yeah. takeaway from his availability on Sportsnet was like, there, there wasn't a lot. No, there was much. Well, I'll say there was some knocks on the roster and how the roster that he's built in the defense core a little bit. But to me, there was much more shade thrown at the coaching and the structure than than the actual roster that's there. And it's like it doesn't take a, you know, a, the smartest hockey mind in the world to figure out that the Canucks have a problem on their back end. I think everybody in our chat here, everybody listening to this podcast can agree that like, hey, the Canucks defense probably isn't good enough to to be a, you know, a strong playoff team that's going to be competing with teams for going to Stanley Cups. If everything went the way for their forward group, I think you could make somewhat of an, uh, an argument to say like, it's a good forward group, right? When the forward group's all clicking, it's a great forward group. Um, if they're all clicking, like I said, but nobody out there was like, yeah, but the defense is going to be the thing that carries them. The defense needs to be addressed. And it feels like you mentioned that a little bit, but to me, like I, I kept hearing Rutherford say structure, structure, structure. It's like every time he said it, I just kept thinking to me, like structure leans more on the players that are assembled here. Like the actual structure of this team is more to me a problem because of what the players that they're putting on the ice than it is what Boudreaux's doing to these players. Like, you know, I, I think Bruce had a really good run with this team last season. I didn't think it was going to be the exact same, but I thought that if Boudreaux still has that, you know, the thing that Boudreaux's done his whole career is like get his players motivated to get to the playoffs, right? Does he he does that almost everywhere he goes. And I don't think that's gonna change so much. And I don't think it's his coaching style that's the main thing holding this team back. I think it's, you know, making that big investment in JT Miller and him not stepping up in the start of the season. We're gonna see him go back to center today, which is gonna be a little bit worrisome as well in my eyes. And yeah, I the whole conversation was strange to me, man. I like a couple more quotes. I just want to get to them right off the top. This one from, from Rutherford as well. Um, he said, we have to make players accountable. We'll have to take the necessary steps to get the players' attention. And it's like, I, I keep hearing these things, right? I keep hearing about the general manager wanting to make changes. I keep hearing about this team needing to upgrade the defense core. It's like, when are they actually going to do it though? I, I keep hearing a lot of like things that I think are promising, but it's weird. This past interview to me was just like, Heard a lot of things from Rutherford that I feel like weren't the exact same verbiage that he used in the past or that we've heard from Patrick Alvin in the past, but it felt like to me, it was like, huh, 
I'm, I'm tired of hearing it. Like I'd like to actually see something be done for the changes here. I'd like to see you get the players' attention by doing something. Because to me, it's something that would have got the players' attention would be moving a JT Miller in the offseason before signing him. Like that would have been something that would have got the players' attention. Now all you're really left with it, being able to do is like is move Bo Horvath. That's the only real big trade that's going to get the players' attention. Which, from what Rutherford said yesterday, it really sounds like that's going to happen. Like a Bo Horvath trade has to be on the on the docket here. Yeah, and what I'm talking about is like we've heard about this team wanting to, and I know he didn't want to use the word rebuild. He wanted to talk about build. Here's another quote from Rutherford. He said, we're going to look to make bigger deals. And he was talking about the, the Dickinson trade. And he said to open up a lot more cap space so we can be involved in some of the talks to some of the players who are going to be available next offseason. I think that's a combination of free agency and players that will be available in trade because he also talked about how they couldn't make the bear trade two months ago because of cap mm-hmm. space. So I don't know. It's it, To me, it's like I think we're at the point now where we've heard Softball brings up a really good point. Actions speak louder than words. It's because yep. we're hearing the same words, but no action is happening. Yeah, like the the main theme that we're hearing is they're trying to get rid of all these bad contracts that the Benning regime had. They, they're trying to do this. They're trying to do that. They haven't done anything, and I know you want to be patient to an extent, but it doesn't seem like they're actually being patient. It seems like they're just putting Band-Aids on broken bones. How many times have we said that, right? Mm-hmm. And again, I think that's the big problem that everybody has with this is it's just... It's no different than what it was before. Also, I just choked on some air there. That yeah. was a little You're getting fired up. I was getting fired up. Uh, quickly, before we get to Harmon Dial uh, on the show, I quickly wanted to get to this quote because Boudreaux responded to what Rutherford said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, like he said, right off the top of his media veil, he said, listen, I'm not going to get into an argument over whether we do or we don't play with enough structure. Uh, we play as hard as we can as well as we can, and we lay it all out on the line every night. It is what it is. I try to keep the noise out of the room as much as I can. That noise is coming from the president, right? Mm. Like, And then Bo Horvat talks, and Bo Horvat again was like, oh, I don't know what was said. I'm just trying to lead by example uh, on and off the ice. I think our details are stronger this year after full training camp with Bruce and having more familiar with the systems. Like Those quotes that I, we're hearing... First of all, the Horvat quote of like, oh, I didn't hear, uh, I didn't hear what it was said. Yeah, right. Like, well, what are you well, doing? Are you kidding me? Hang on, let's let's take him at his word there. Okay, but they're <laughs> sure, answering these that. questions as if it was like one of us that said it, right? Right? Like they're answering the questions like it was us like that it was hockey threw in Canada big, Saturday. Yeah, that we threw up, out right? a big report that was like the Canucks aren't playing with enough structure. It was the president. It's it was the strange of the to team. see see the the coach being like, we want to prove everybody wrong, and who's he talking about? The the president and I guess general manager is who he's lumping in there with everybody. Yeah, yeah. Like you shouldn't have to prove everybody wrong in your organization. I, I just don't know if that's a, a great. And again, spot to we be we've in, talked man. about it, but the Travis green contract is really, it's going to affect their ability to fire sure. But I don't know. I've thought, I've thought about this more and yeah, more. And it's like, yeah, they have Mike yo under contract and Jeremy Colton, as you mentioned, sure, and Jeremy Colton. But I think yo is the guy who was with, Alvin in the Pittsburgh organization for like six seasons, yeah. right? Five or six seasons they were together in Pittsburgh. I know that uh, Yo was an assistant there uh, and, and Alvin was just a scout, but there has to be some sort of connection between those two. And like, yeah. that's what I think we were discussing this before. And you're like, and you're like, oh, but Yo, he might be Boudreaux's guy, right? Like he's the one, but it's mm-hmm. like, in my eyes, I think it's probably Alvin's guy. We don't know. Yo is. Well, they, they must have a connection. I don't, I don't, I yeah. don't know if, uh, you know, maybe Boudreaux and Yo have crossed paths before this, but to me, well, I, I know. I think when that hiring that was made, was. it was, this is someone Bruce likes. Sure. That was what we were told. Yeah. Okay. And in my eyes, it's more Alvin likes him. Yeah. Okay. We're not going to get into semantics. Right. We can't play the, because we're on YouTube, we can't play the uh, intro anymore. I'll sing it. Uh, here comes the money. Dollar dollars. 
dollar dollars as we bring in uh harman dial his theme music we don't have it this time but harman dial of the athletic joins us now harman how you doing buddy if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with juvederm volbella xc and juvederm ultra xc your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm doing really well. I only just realized, actually, I don't think you guys can get it in the shop, but in the background here, I had uh, I had my cut banner from a soccer championship, oh. and I was just thinking to myself as I was preparing to Hop on your guys' show, man. I really hope we get one of these banners in Rogers Arena for a cup uh, for a cup win in our lifetimes. Well, I'll tell you what, Harm, if you're showing off trophies, how about this, bud? 2008 Most Valuable Player in uh, Junior Varsity Football. There There's you go. nothing on top of it. Oh, Hell yeah, because yeah. it broke It broke at a party one time when I, when I was living in Victoria. Somebody knocked it down. I lost the... I lost the second part <laughs> okay, of the trophy. Okay, dude. enough. Harmon, uh, Jim Rutherford's comments, your reaction. I didn't like them personally. I look at the situation this team's in right now. And look, guys, Bruce Boudreau was the second fastest coach to 600 wins in NHL history. He's a very good head coach. Everywhere he's gone, he's had regular season success. All of his previous stops, Minnesota, Anaheim, Washington, he's as qualified as it gets. We saw the run that they had in the second half of last season. If Bruce Boudreau isn't the coach that can take this roster and and turn it into a playoff team, I, I have very little confidence in it, that any other coach can come in and provide meaningfully better results. And I think this really just comes down to the roster construction. And 
from Rutherford's perspective, I think this is a lot of deflection in terms of not owning up to his management group's ability to upgrade the defense and uh, fix the situation, some of the holes on this roster. I mean, even going into, for example, the penalty kill, they had the exact same issues last season. And right now they don't have a high-end penalty killing center. They don't have a single one on their roster. How are you going to win hockey games and make the playoffs like that? Horvat and Miller, they can win draws, but in zone, they're not actually very good. Elias Pettersson, in zone, is a very good penalty kill, a very good penalty killer, but he can't win faceoffs, which is essential because that first clear um, is necessary. So we're talking about having the worst penalty kill in the National Hockey League. The penalty kill is so bad that the Canucks' power play right now is at 30%. It's third in the NHL. Yet when you combine their power play and penalty kill percentage, they're at like 90%. They're well below par on special teams. And I can't look at that penalty kill and blame that on Bruce Boudreau because he's tried everything that that he could. He obviously was Scott Walker. They, they start, started tinkering and um, played a more aggressive forecheck style uh, last season. But I, I just look at this roster and there are too many holes on it. And for me, the biggest thing that stood out after Rutherford's appearance um, on after hours, when he spoke with Scott Oak, he was talking about the blue line situation saying, oh, well, it's not fantasy hockey. We can't just upgrade the defense like that. The thing is, if you knew that, why would you double down on the roster? If you knew that the second half run was unsustainable, that it was on the back of elite goaltending, why would you double down on the roster? And so that's where I think from management, we've seen a lot of contradictory messaging where they'll talk about the second half of last season and say, oh, well, like, Alvin, even in his, um, even when he addressed the media, was talking about, oh well, teams were taking us lightly. Demko was lights out and the best goalie from December onward. We weren't very good at five on five. We were too reliant on the power play. If you knew all these issues, then why did you not pivot and lean in uh, a more of a rebuilding direction? Start shipping out future, uh, uh, start shipping out players on this roster for future assets. Instead, they continued in this win now direction. So to me. Hearing Rutherford speak, I mean, it's true that the Canucks don't play with enough, enough structure, but I don't think that's on Bruce Boudreaux. I think that's that that pertains to the personnel uh, on this roster. That's kind of what we were saying before. It's like, to me, the more I heard Rutherford say structure, the less I thought about the coaching structure and the more I thought about the roster structure. I mean, that to me is the bigger problem here. And I, I think back to, you know, as, as much as, you know, I didn't love Travis Green as the head coach. I think back to like one of his final quotes before he was let go was just like, this is the guys that I have, right? Like, you know, Boudreaux's in the same spot. I, I believe that Boudreaux is a coach that gets, you know, half decent teams into the playoffs. I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I, it felt like to me, I'm so tired of hearing things that sound good. And to, it almost just came to fruition yesterday where it was like, I think a lot of people and a lot of Canucks fans looked at the way that Rutherford was talking about this team and was like, Okay, but now it just feels like you're making Boudreaux a scapegoat at this point, right? Instead of actually doing the things that you're talking about and making your work done on the structure that you can handle, it just felt like he used that word to kind of put things on Bruce Boudreaux. And I think that's what, unfortunately, the spot that we're at right now with this team. And and yeah, I think a lot of people are in the same boat hearing those comments yesterday. And, And I'm happy that Rutherford came out and spoke, but to hear the way that he addressed the situation and, and kind of pointed towards the negatives of the coaching staff. That was worrisome. And I think I, I'm curious, like, what do you think when you hear this situation now playing out in Vancouver where, or, you know, playing out in Ottawa where it's like Boudreaux was being asked to, you know, to prove 
them wrong. And when he's talking about them, he's talking about his own organization. Like this is now a story that I don't know if Rutherford meant to do this or not to potentially do a distraction or something, but like, this is now the biggest story in the NHL after what happened yesterday on Sportsnet. Yeah. And even when we speak about structure, right. And you think about what that could entail, even if you bring in uh, a, a different coach at some point, whether it's later this season or even next season, and you start instilling a defense first mindset into some of these players. The thing is we saw a potential sample of what that could look like with this personnel at the start of last season with Travis Green. Because if you guys remember, in the 2021 season, the sort of COVID year, um, the all-Canadian division, the Canucks were sort of playing this loosey-goosey style along way too many odd-man rushes, and they were tire fire defensively. So going into last season, Green said, okay, we need to buckle things down, same sort of thing, play with more structure. We need to prevent some of these odd-man rushes, uh, defend better in front of our net, cut down on turnovers, be a more responsible two-way team. Uh, we need to have our forwards helping out our defensemen more, have tighter gaps so that the defensemen can, for example, close on forwards more quickly, knowing that they have the su support of forwards reloading and back checking. They implemented that and look, it actually improved their defensive results, but look at what it cost them offensively. The Canucks were anemic at trying to generate anything at five on five. And that's the issue that I sort of see with, okay, even if you try and implement a more structured style, I don't think you have the horses to actually have success with it. Sure, you're going to improve and upgrade your defensive results, but this Canucks team has never really been, outside of the Pedersen line, been able to generate a lot of offense off the rush. Their ability to generate even certain offense is reliant on being able to force turnovers on the forecheck. Well, if you dial back and play a more structured style, that means you're, you're going to implement a more conservative forecheck. And if your forecheck all of a sudden isn't going to be aggressive and creating offense, how are you going to score at five on five? And so that to me is, is you know, people will bring up the structure and, and I, I just don't see how changing the style of, of play or, or changing the system in any meaningful way is going to um, boost the results in, in any significant way. And it does sort of the way Rutherford has plainly and honestly sort of gone after not only the structure, but the preparation sort of saying our players weren't prepared for the start of the season, the road trip. I mean, that's a pretty damning way to describe um, the head coach's preparation of the roster. And definitely, I think it puts Boudreaux um, on blast and, it should light a fire under the players as, as well to hear, like if they have any pride for Boudreaux and, and they really do love playing for him. Now the players have to respond and, and prove to management that Boudreaux isn't the problem. They have to try and step up for him, I think. Do you get the sense, I'll ask you a two-part here, Harmon. Do you get the sense that Rutherford's like trying to make Boudreaux quit? And the second question, what would you do if you were Bruce Boudreaux in this situation? In terms of the whole quitting thing, I mean, Boudreaux's paid a lot of money. Um, I mean, are you going to turn down millions and just give up on a season? I, I wouldn't. And so I, I don't really, that doesn't really register as a likely possibility for me. I mean, sure, Boudreaux's been in it for a really long time, and I'm sure he's really, done really well for himself financially, but. I, I don't know. I wouldn't see a reason to kind of quit. And I, and Boudreaux does, has never really struck me as a quitter. No matter how miserable the situation has been so far this season, he's always been so upbeat, always been so positive, always glass half full. And 
the fact that he almost rescued the team given the the fact that their hole was even deeper last season i'm sure he's still going to have faith in in thinking that if i could do it last season i can write the ship this season as well so i don't think it was necessarily about you know wanting Boudreau to quit or, or even if it was i i don't think at this juncture anyway that that's really a realistic possibility yeah, he loves it too and much. he loves coaching if too I was much. In, exactly like he he's just he doesn't coach in the league just as a job or as a profession. He coaches it as a passion. He loves the game. He loves everything about it. So that right there to me stands out. And then in terms of what I would do if I was in Bruce's situation, I mean, I do, I, I would kind of do what, um, what he sort of alluded to in his comments ahead of tonight's game against Ottawa is trying to create an us versus them mentality where, because look, if Rutherford has also made it clear that it's not just coaching staff, if the team continues the way it has right now, the players are going to have to be accountable. And whether it was the reports earlier about potential guys losing their spots on the lineup or guys getting waived, guys getting moved in more substantial trades, the players are eventually going to have to pay the tab for this too. And so if, if I'm Boudreaux, I'm trying to sort of Every coach loves to sort of play them, uh, play the make make their group feel like the underdogs, and ha- and and be able to rally around that, and really fire fire the the group up emotionally. So what I would kind of do is kind of lump myself in with the players and sort of look at it as everybody's counting us out, everybody's doubting us. We got to have more pride. We got to show management. We got to show everybody around the league what we're really worth, and and that's really all you can do because I don't think I don't think that there, that there's a quick fix. In terms of the systems, there are some personnel decisions recently that I sort of disagree with in terms of, I mean, I really hope Nils Hoaglander is in the scratch. I, I don't really like how Riley Stillman has um, has still been on the third pair. I think it's time for Rathbone or Burroughs to get an opportunity there. But outside of those minor things, like that's not costing the team wins and losses right now in um, in a significant way. So all you can really do is try and mentally get to this group and, and get them um, get them angry, get them pissed off, get them in that F you mentality. Well, Harm, we'll leave you on that. We're getting uh, a comment here on the YouTube says Harm too handsome for this, uh, for this, uh, YouTube channel. So I don't know what that means no, about you and I quads, it. but, uh, <laughs> uh, and Harm, by the way, Alex, you can pull it up. I got that thing that you asked for, for this hit here. There it is. Uh, a big <laughs> room full of money for you. Since, uh, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that's your ask for the show. So Harm, Rent appreciate was due it. soon. So <laughs> yeah, you betcha. Harm, awesome. thanks for thanks joining boys. us, man. Finally, nice to get you on the video, uh, version of the show here. So appreciate it, man. We'll do it again soon. Keep killing it, guys. <laughs> there he is, Harmon Dial of The Athletic. Um, good the to money. finally get him on. Finally to get Harm on the show. He used to be a regular back in the podcast days, but uh, like I said, it took me a while to get that room put together. There. Commander Vander jumped in the chat here also. And yeah, by the way, good to, to good to have Commander Vander back in chat. Said that uh, they had the day off today, so they're nice. happy to be back in yeah, the Yeah, we've chat. got a lot of people back in the chat today. It's very nice. Chat is booming as always. Uh, coaching shouldn't be under the gun right now. It's so obviously roster construction that's the problem. Hey, we talked about Boudreaux firing back about a little bit of that. Can I, I'm going to read the full quote because I think the full quote means even more than what, like, we had the tweet from Thomas Durant's up earlier of, like, just a couple quotes from it. But here's the full quote. Boudreaux said, every person wants to prove people wrong when they say things. I'm a pretty competitive guy at heart, and maybe that's the message. When you're trying to do, what you're trying to do is prove that what they say is not a true statement. That is, it's just so wild to me. It, it ha, like, 
it feels like a rift, right? Like it absolutely feels like a rift. I mean, the fact that the coach is like talking about his own management group and his own president and calling them like they and that group and these people talking this way. It's wild. It's wild. This is like this. I don't want to say this is like the most dysfunctional thing of the season because it's only for some reason actually just like in a line of other things that have been wild to deal with this Canuck mm-hmm. season. But man, I didn't think we'd be here like in on November 8th. People are picking up on this. Rutherford's done this since he's come to Vancouver, okay? Hmm. He's referred to the team as the Canucks. Yes. He doesn't say our team or us or we. Sometimes he'll say we and us, sure. But he often says the Canucks aren't doing this well enough. Hmm. I'm like, huh, I wonder who's part of that. It's just, and he probably means himself too. Sure. But yeah. it's just, you know, it's a little thing that someone pointed out is that, uh, you know, he says the Canucks. He doesn't say... Uh, doesn't say us often. I, I think it's going to, in a weird way, though, like if you're the players, if you're Boudreaux, in, in a weird way, this is going to bring performance up on the ice tonight. I feel like, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is that Rutherford, is that Rutherford's play then? Like, seriously? Is it? Is that yeah, Rutherford's play? He's obviously play? trying to get, get the team going. Because someone was like, oh, is what, the, what he's saying here going to be, you know, something that I, I don't know who wrote it in the comments there, but like, is this going to make Boudreaux want to quit? Boudreaux's never no. Boudreaux's quit. not quitting. Okay, Boudreaux loves this job. You hear like I remember when he first got hired. Uh, it was I think the first press availability, and he was just talking about like how happy he was to be back in hockey, how back coaching in it. the NHL. Listen, when this guy's not coaching in the NHL, what does he own like a a minor hockey league team and like you know yeah. runs a junior hockey team, which he enjoys. Yeah, he of enjoys course, that. sure he enjoys that. But the guy enjoys being in the NHL. He got his six hundredth win. And, and did you hear? I think like when someone said that, the, I thought back to last week. Do you remember? Um. Or it was a few weeks ago. He did a, a sit. It might have been like very early in the season. Actually, I don't know how long. When was the start of the season? Like a month ago? We're yes. not even like a month into this. Okay, that's no. wild because it feels like it's been like six months of everything that's happened so far this season. But when Boudreaux sat down with Dan Murphy, uh, it was like for the home opener, I think, or the first game of the season. They sat down uh, actually at UBC and like hearing Boudreaux talk about how important it is for him to like what would what it would mean to win a Stanley Cup. You just hear like the passion in his voice talking about wanting to win a Stanley Cup, wanting to be the best team in hockey in the world. And like, yeah, this guy's not quitting. So I don't think mm-hmm. that that's the situation. And to hear that, you know, like these two talk, but I think that it almost feels like the what Jim Rutherford did yesterday was like, t- to me, it's so wild that it just feels like a play. Like it feels like a play, a card that he's playing yeah. to inspire this group. Yeah. Which is like. If it is, I, that's strange to me, man. That's a very strange situation. Uh, this is a strange situation. It's the soap opera of the Vancouver Canucks yeah, right now. Like Commander Banner says it. These can Canucks we just, seasons are long. Yeah, can they, just, I can't believe the season started less than like a month ago. What yeah, that hell? makes two of us, bud. Can we what just get the, to the hockey though? Can we talk about the lineup? Yeah, we got the. Lineup. I don't want to talk about these comments and this this drama. Like it's it's unbelievable. Uh, well, I got a. I think well, Alex, I think's back on board here. Alex, he got the the video of Jack Rathbone being freed. We got the full video here, which, uh, look at that. Look at him. He's free. Jack Rathbone. What movie is that from? He just crawled Shawshank. through 500 yards of crap. That's right. I know that movie. Shawshank Redemption. 500 yards of Stillman crap to get okay. to this point. Uh, let's get to that lineup. Andre Kuzmenko, Ilya Mikheyev missed the skate, but it was optional. It was an optional morning skate uh, per Bruce Boudreaux. Niels Hoaglander looks like the odd man out. Mm-hmm. 
Let's start there. No, no, no. Where, where, where do you we want to start? We have spent days and days and days putting up a picture of Jack Rathbone behind bars. We sure. are starting with Jack Rathbone. Looks like Jack Rathbone's going to get in for Riley Good Stillman. Good chance, Boudreau said. Good chance um, that he'll get in for Riley Stillman. But hey, at Morning Skate, reportedly from Tom, uh, Stillman was still skating with Myers and and Rathbone was with Burroughs. So you, yeah, you what's know, this going to look like tonight? And the other interesting thing, I saw the penalty kill group be tweeted out from yesterday and Burroughs was out there killing penalties. As he like, should be. Get the guy in the lineup. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm fine either way as long as I'm still like I we've been doing the whole Rathbone free Rathbone thing for sure. But it's more about like, it, you know, as much as we put up the, the graphics and put all this stuff about Rathbone, want to see him play. To me, it's more about Bench Stillman at this point. And well, I would I would put Rathbone and Burroughs in the lineup ahead of OEL and Stillman. I would play I would play Burroughs on the left side ahead of OEL. Yeah, even for especially when you have back to backs, back to back, back to backs. Yeah, give him some rest. Right. Uh, okay, to, anything else in the uh, lineup? Well, Brock Besser is going to return the yes, lineup. He's going to play with uh, Tanner Pearson and JT Miller on a top line. I have, I worry a little bit there. Uh, obviously, we, we talked about JT Miller's defensive numbers when he's playing center a little bit on yesterday's show, yep. but uh, I do have a little bit of worry there. But, but what I do hope, and for Brock Besser, the recent injury here, and I wouldn't like, I think I said it the other it's not really an injury. It's, uh, I guess it could be like, it's the scar that opened, right? He told yeah, us yeah, the yeah. scar opened and because of like getting so sweaty in an open scar, obviously you're a little worried about infection at that point mm. and stuff like that, which by the way, that's not what we heard. He was dealing with nothing to do with an infection. It was just the scar and they were worried a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually do like that. That gave him another week. Cause I do think he was rushed back. I, I think he was rushed back a little bit. Um, and I don't think he was at a hundred percent in the first few games. I think the stats don't, uh, don't say much different about it. This guy was not scoring goals as a player who wanted to come in and, you know, made it very clear to us in training camp that 30 goals was going to be this year. That's how much he was going to score at least. He obviously hasn't uh, been on track for that, but I think that this little bit of extra time to maybe actually heal the part that was, you know, surgically repaired or, or worked on in the surgery, the fact that the, there was a little bit of extra time added because of the scarring issue, I think this is good for him. I, I think that the wrist is going to look better tonight than it did um, at the start of the season for sure. So I'm, I'm expecting to see a little bit of a better version of Brock Messer tonight, but I do worry about the foot speed on that line. And, you know, I worry about Pearson's foot speed in general. I worry about JT Miller's foot speed because of the effort level that he does in his defensive zone. Uh, and Brock Besser to me is like the best defensive player on that uh, line. Like I think Pearson does a pretty good job of like positioning, but I think speed wise and keeping up with the cycle, you might be a little worried. And Alex, maybe you can get the, the sends line up here a little bit because I, as Quickly. much as, Sorry, go ahead. Got to cut you off. Kevin Punter jumped in the chat and said, OEL is clearly hurt or not in good shape. I get you don't want $7 million in the press box, but he's been anemic. OEL told PJ, uh, Patrick Johnson of the province, that he's in the best shape of his life and he's never felt better than he does right now. Because I'm pretty sure that other people were having that same thought that would, of that he must like be hurt. That would be like saying that. Like, I'm in the best shape of my life right now. And well, I feel never felt better. He might be. Well, I'm seven days in, into the gym, day eight today. All indications are so that he's not playing hurt right now, which that might be a little bit worrisome in itself. Yeah, that is true. Go on. Sorry, I cut you off. No, I said I've been to the gym seven days in a row. Not a big deal. Going today, still two. Make it eight. Um, Let's let's look at the centers lineup just to see how some things will match up here against the Sens. Listen, it's not a lineup that's going to blow you away, but I mean, think about that top line, right? Like Stutzel, uh, Kachuk, and Giroux. There's there's some good skill and speed there, right? DeBrinket's now in this lineup. Let's not forget about that. They have some skill. We're going to see Tyler Mott again tonight. Eh? I forgot completely about all this yeah. Rutherford stuff. I forgot this is the Tyler Mott revenge game. He's going to score two goals. You can bet on that. We'll get to the bet way later. I should have found that bet. 
Uh, and I mean, like this, you know, they have a decent roster and they've just lost five in a row. Like they're, they're going to be looking at this Canucks team and listen for the Canucks fans and all of the people in this chat. They're like, nice. The senators, they've lost five in a row. This is great. Great team to run into right now. Great time for, for Rutherford to make these comments and fire up the group. But you think the Sens are looking at what's going on with the Vancouver Canucks and are like, well, this is the game we're snapping that five-game losing streak, boys. They got Vancouver in town. Think about everything that's going on in Vancouver. I think that's how teams are looking at this uh, Canucks team right now, as much as the Canucks as don't like fan, to look at it. I can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Alex. It's good to know Alex is here. I mean, Alex, let's bring you in because this is a good time to, to chat a little bit about the Sens. What have, what's been going on the last five games in this losing streak here? Because I think there was a lot of hope for what this this Senators team was going to do this year, specifically over the last five here, it's been a real downward trend on this team. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, people are calling for DJ Smith's head here in Ottawa or a little bit, and that's kind of been the discussion going around. Uh, Debrinket has two goals. <laughs> They're expecting him to have 40 this year. It's going to be hard for him to hit that number probably now. And... Uh, you know, splitting him up with Drew Norris injury, having Broussard coming in, uh, they haven't really found an answer there yet. And, you know, center ice is kind of important. And then if you notice there on the right side beside Shabbat, Zub went down with an injury. Mm-hmm. And now we got Jacob Bernard Docker up playing his first game of the year. <laughs> Good first round pick. He was a Team Canada standout. And uh, a lot of Sense fans are going to keep an eye on that guy. And you, I don't know if you mentioned Jake Sanderson, but he might already be the Senators' best defenseman. Mm-hmm. I'll leave you guys with that. Hey, Alex, what I said there before was like, hey, I expect like for you being a Sens fan, you're looking at the Canucks coming to town as like, hey, this is the game to break that five-game losing streak, right? Like that's the way that other teams are looking at this Canucks team, I have to assume right now. Yeah, you know that like Spider-Man pointing at himself meme <laughs> online all the time like that? That's what the Canucks and Sens are doing right now at the Canadian Tire Center hallway. That is great. We uh, we got to talk to the graphics on that, right? and we'll 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 close it out here soon. But on that note, remember the last time the Senators were deep in a playoff run? Wasn't it like 2018, mm-hmm. 2017, Eastern Conference Final, something like that? Let me get Alex in here. Well, Alex doesn't jump in. We're like we're pretty sure about that, right? But. Sens are passing them. Sens are about to pass them in well, their competitiveness. The, yeah, I mean, like, the, the players that Alex mentioned there, like, Sanderson's a, a good defenseman. They've got Shabazz really good young players, Shane I, Pinto. You know, Bernard Docker, I think, is, a, is another guy that, yeah, first-round pick from a few years ago. You hope that he's going to be an NHL here pretty quick in first game tonight, as Alex mentioned there. I mean, yeah, uh, it's going to be a – I think I'm hoping tonight's, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see another 8-5 game, right? Like, is this uh, another game where we're going to see the Ducks, two teams that are not going in the right direction? But I do expect – uh, I expect the Canucks to be pretty fired up because of their comments that their president made, but I also expect the the Sens to be fired up for for similar reasons of like, you know, they they want to play for their coach probably at this point. I think DJ Smith is a is a coach that you know a player's coach from I think everything that I've seen from the outside looking in anyways. So I think they're going to want to play for this guy, uh, and I think even hearing like the comments from Claude Giroux uh, on Saturday night, like you could tell. I feel like this is the time if you're the Sens and you brought in closure, like this is probably the last couple of days. I'm sure he's had a lot to say. And maybe it's a time where he like recognizes that he needs to step up for this team. So um, we'll wrap. I think we'll wrap with the chat there. We'll get to the, I don't have uh, oh no, quick little prospects thing uh, tomorrow. So I'll, I'll have an update tomorrow on the show uh, from the four nations game, um, which LaCara Mackey and Elias Pedersen, they'll be playing in that one. Um, they're playing Czechia's U19 team. So normally the four nations tournament, 
uh, has Russia in it, right? But the, we talked about this. Russia's not there. So Czechia is sending a U19 team, a U20 team, and then Finland is also sending a U19 team and a U20 team. So these U19 teams probably going to get whooped, especially by Sweden, who's not sending a U19 team. They're just sending their basically world junior team. So tomorrow should be... Uh, I hope it's a big points night for Lekar Mackey. I hope I have some clips to, to talk about tomorrow on the Prospects Report. But we'll get to the Betway bet. Uh, Betway, Betway, Betway. Please play responsibly. Must be 19 years of age or older. Vancouver Canucks to win on the money line. So just win in general. Over 6.5 total goals in the game. And Bo Horvat to score a goal. That'll get you plus 550 on Betway, 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 Betway. And then I do my score predictors. You hate this. The company hates this. Betway's sending me emails about me not doing plus 8,000 bets. But what did I hit a couple weeks ago? Kyle Burrows scoring first goal of the game, plus 8,000. Thank you very much. You're so lucky. So we'll see what happens on this one. 6-1, if you want to ride with me, 50 bucks will get you 4,000. I'm not recommending betting $50 yeah. on this. Unless you have plus. a lot of money to blow. Like Harmon Dial could bet that. And feel pretty good about himself because that's all he gets paid. Basically, basically the estimated return that you see on that plus eight thousand bet—that's what harm charges for for a hit here on the podcast. So wrap it up, okay? That's uh, that's all I got for Betway. Nineteen um, plus to play. Must be nineteen years of age or older. That's right. That's what I say. You what do you say? Nineteen plus to play? Yeah. Those are the other guys. Your Betway likes it. Must be nineteen years of age or older. Okay. Please play responsibly. They say too. Okay. So, yeah, maybe that's why they're telling me not to do these plus 8,000 bets. Is that a responsible <laughs> yeah, bet? I don't know. Maybe it's not a, a very responsible bet, I guess. All right. We'll, we'll close it out there. Hold Everybody on. What in do the you chat. expect from, let's quickly, in the game tonight, do you expect the Canucks fired up in this one, or is this one where the, the Sens might be more fired up? I mean, the Canucks have to fire it up in this game. Okay. Right? Like, they have to. There's no other choice. This is this is uh, going to be a very telling Road trip, and I think I think it was definitely a calculated decision that Rutherford said these comments right before mm. uh, this season-altering road trip. All right. I tried, Greg. Tried to extend a little bit. Cornbread jumped at the chat and said, yeah, take this 50, put it on Horvat, reinvest those winnings in poor grants. Hey, Cornbread's been there. Done that. <laughs> Couldn't have he said knows, it better. Knows what he's doing Cornbread. All right. We'll wrap it up there. Hey, tomorrow. Uh, uh, sorry, Greg. Greg wants to hear more of the show. He's listening to the podcast right now. Greg, shout out to you and Twasson. Um, uh, Will Lockwood tomorrow on the show. Will Lockwood Fantastic. joining us tomorrow. So from okay. the Oxford Canucks, he's been on a tear lately. They're called him Wild Bill out there. <laughs> All right. Apparently, I haven't heard anyone call him that. Okay, we're going overtime here. We'll wrap it up Big there. fishing talk tomorrow. For my co-host, Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much. It's like another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Roar Lions roar. Still roaring, baby. Go Lions. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?